Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. We'll have Wayne Rodolphus joining us here shortly, but I just wanted to share a couple of things with you real quick. I found this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson so fitting for the, a show like Coast View. Remember Coast View, V-U-E. V-U-E actually stands for the visual perception of a region. And when I think about Coast View, it's about not only celebrating coastal Mississippi, but but also the people who are making a difference in this community and how they embody the essence of this place and how they want to pass it on. I've talked a lot about leaving legacies and and um, and the work that people are doing to try to build in the leaders coming up, sort of an appreciation for this place and what we want what we want people to experience when they come here, so that it's not just an experience; it becomes part of who they are when they leave and they tell other people about it. That's what coastal Mississippi means. But I came across this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson that I just felt felt was just so so was is so true. And, and, it, and it applies well to what I'm just talking about. But here's what he said. Though we travel the world over to find the beautiful, we must carry it with us or we find it not. <laughs> that To me, that's a, we, though we travel the world over to find the beautiful, we must carry it with us or we find it not. Coast of Mississippi is in our DNA. We hope that it is. And for travelers who come here, we want it to become part of them. We want it to be sort of, uh, you know, part of their soul, so to speak. And uh, and we have an opportunity here on Coast View every day to, to celebrate it. And one of the people I enjoy talking about Coastal Mississippi with is Wayne Rodolfich. He's the uh, superintendent of schools for Pascual Gaucher, and he's just a good friend and been around for a, a good long time. So good, good to talk to you, Wayne. How are you doing this in the morning? Hey, I'm great. Glad to be here. So, um, you know, if you go back, it's been a year, man. I mean, I mean, we've been in this pandemic mode for a year. We started a Coast View session with you before the pandemic when we just talked about your life growing up and, you know, on the point of Biloxi and how that got ingrained in you. And then, you know, your, your work to become sort of one of the top superintendents in the state of Mississippi, one of the most progressive in the state of Mississippi. But when you read that quote that I, when you hear that quote that I just read about, you really don't experience beauty until it becomes part of who you are. You really get that, don't you? I do. And, and, you know, several years ago, we created a be the light campaign in our district because we were so consumed with negativity. And a lot of it was media based. A lot of it was uh, orientation to different ideologies. And, and I have to go back to that refrain of be the light that let's find what positive comments we can make about what's going on in the world. In my experience, just recently at Singer River Health Systems with their nurses, their doctors, J.B. Brown, uh, Lee Bond, was just a phenomenal experience for a guy who went in, had a broken hip, uh, trauma. And, and look, I'm no stranger to broken bones. I've broken my neck. I've broken my leg. I've broken my arm twice, my nose, uh, you know, my foot. So I, I'm not a stranger to collisions, you might say. Mm-hmm. But I, the care that I received 
Lee Bond, actually, the CEO of the hospital, walked in on, I think it was uh, the Monday morning and caught me typing on my computer. And I was typing a two-page thank you letter to him and his staff for what a phenomenal job they had done and how good I felt about having a broken hip. Yeah, it's a, but what a great group of people. We'll come back to that in a second. But first of all, you fell at, a, at your son's soccer game. Tell me about what happened. Well, my wife, Alan, told me I would be coaching my son's four-year-old team this year, and she decided to enroll me for the extended season with him. And so we were at halftime, and just very harmlessly, one of the young people kicked the ball, and I stuck my foot out to stop it. And when I did, my foot went down into a hole, which doesn't seem like a drastic thing, but uh, just that few inches knocked off my balance, and I fell, and as I fell, I could hear the snap. And um, was laying on the ground. And, of course, all the parents are yelling, safe, and you're okay, and get up, and, you know, quit getting attention. And and I said, guys, I really can't get up. So they walked me over to the sidelines, sat me in a lawn chair, and I actually coached the remainder of the game. And then I went to get out of the lawn chair because I thought, hey, I'll walk this off. Couldn't get up. Had them carry me to my forerunner. Then drove two of my children to uh, Van Cleve, uh, the 57 fields, where my wife and other two children were. And then I told my wife, hey, you're going to need to call Singer River Health Systems. I think I hurt myself and tell them to be have a, a wheelchair out at the uh, dock. And so I drove myself and they picked me up. And uh, next thing I knew, an emergency room doctor was shaking his head saying, uh, you broke your hip, which was very devastating to me because I still felt like I was a spry young man. Well, look, here's the thing. Um, coming, I, first of all, I'm, 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 uh, it's unfortunate that that happened, but you, it looks like you're home now. How are you, how are you doing? I'm good. I actually had my first appointment today. All the healing's going well. They put a plate and three screws in my hip, and I'm getting up and moving around and everything without any effort. Not very, not using very much medication at all. Um, you know, and of course, you know, we're we're really when you're from that part of Biloxi, I'm from. We're not allowed to do a whole lot of talking about pain and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Just you're a tough guy. Different. You're a tough guy. I do know that. Hey, but coming back to before we get into your line of work, you know, Lee and the team there have done a great job. I had the opportunity to get my uh, vaccine up at the community hospital, uh, excuse me, Garden Park, excuse me, on Community Road up in up in Orange Grove, and uh, watching watching the system that they set up for vaccines, and this is true of Memorial as well. Uh, once our state sort of got their arms around this, man, they have done such a great job. Lee's been on the show many times. And Lee, what he said early in the deal, because hospitals were not engaged in that the way they needed to be in the beginning, was that they'll just get us involved to get us, you know, this is what we do. We'll take it and run with it. Man, did they take it and run with it. Lee's Lee's, uh, leadership of the Singing River Hospital system has been just incredible. And watching his team in this COVID moment has been, you know, watching something incredible. And I know you feel the same way. Well, they coordinated with our school district in order to get our teachers their shots, but they've also been at the Jackson County Fairgrounds where people have been able to go and get their shots and they have a very efficient system. And I can't leave the military out for the contribution that they made and the health departments, uh, but just the unified effort that's been put forth by everyone as it relates to overcoming this. But you know, Ricky, you talk about this all the time. We have a little bit of an advantage here on the Gulf Coast because when I reflect back to crises, I I reflect back to Hurricane Katrina, and I don't know that we could have had a more devastating event occur and people rise faster than they did in that event. So having the benefit of that experience helps us not to be as um, 
uh, I think it helps us not to overreact to situations that we just kind of take it and understand that tomorrow, the, the sun's coming up tomorrow. And if we want the sun to shine on us, we better figure out how to make that happen if it's not happening already. I do talk about it all the time because besides our people, which I refer to our people in, in Mississippi and especially here in coastal Mississippi as our secret sauce, I, I would say as it relates to our ability to bounce back, the fact that, that resiliency is in, our MB, is in our DNA, that's our secret sauce to recovery as it relates to, to COVID. And it really surprising to me, actually, and Dr. Conger and I talked about this in, in great detail, that that the states, we had the, the whole politicization of the COVID virus. I know that I know that a presidential election was going on, and I, I, I'm not numb to all of that. But the reality is, you know, one of the things Dr. Conger said is that blue states and red states, I don't care if you like down or not, COVID's going to run its course in your state. Okay, that's just a fact. He thought it was good that people would do different approaches in the beginning, and then we could learn from each other what worked, what didn't work. In the area of schools, especially in the area of schools, I'm surprised that the, the and he mentioned to me that the Catholic school system in New York, you know, once the lockdown was over, they were back, they were back rolling again. They, the, the Catholic school system was in class and, you know, the public system was not in, but the Catholic school system was in. It's just incredible to me that we didn't learn from that experience. Well, and and I'll tell you, we, we were the benefactors of multiple governor's awards for our response to COVID, for our partnerships, for our overall response to it. Uh, we're not very different than anybody else who had to respond to that event. Uh, we were recognized for it. Uh, but I, again, it comes back to the proactivity of everybody who works in your organization. You can't omit anyone, everyone from transportation to nutrition workers to counselors, teachers, administrators, everybody had a role, parents had a role. And you know, my, my biggest concern about what's going on in America right now is the ideology that's out there and how it's negatively impacting us because egos get involved and no one is immune to it, Ricky. It's on all sides, conservative, liberal, it does not matter. And at some point we've got to have better sense and eliminate this crazy ideology on both sides of the aisle. I, I totally agree with you. You know, in the case of the pandemic, you felt it right in the beginning. We had this common enemy. We're going to go tackle this together. This might actually be the thing that brings us together to being in such a divided place. But actually, to be you know, looking back now, it's kind of naive because all it did is kind of play into the hand of the divided nation that we happen to live in. And uh, it's sad though because you're you're dealing with not just saving people from COVID, but you're talking about the long-term ramifications on kids and others who may lose their job and whatever because we're overreacting or not reacting in a way that, that is that is constructive. What we'll do, we'll continue this part of the conversation that I'm interested to hear what's new in the Pascoe Gauthier School System. This is Wayne Rodolfish, the superintendent of the Pascoe Gauthier School System, and we'll be back after this break. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I 10 exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coach 
having a terrific conversation with Wayne Rodolphus, the superintendent of schools for Pascal Gaucher School System. Just a smart guy and someone I really enjoy visiting with, who incidentally broke his hip at a son's soccer game last weekend. He's already home and he just sort of slipped in there, plates and screws and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it is amazing how fast what the kind of procedures they can do today that get you back moving faster. And in the old days, if you would have broken your hip, you'd have been flat on your back maybe for weeks, months. I don't know what the old prescription was, but you're lucky new technology has kind of brought us to a different place, aren't you? Oh, my father suffered the same uh, issue whenever he was 53 years old, fell off a ladder and broke his hip. He was bedridden. And I was talking to my doctor this morning, uh, Dr. Brown, and what I told him was, you know, it's amazing. I broke my leg at Delta State University when I was a senior there, and they had to put screws in my leg. And a year later, they took the screws out, but it was over an 18-month process, so I could be eligible for my senior year. In dealing with his surgery, they had looked at the situation, and within 24 hours, he had done surgery, put a plate and screws in. Within 24 hours of that, I was home. And then today, 10 days later, I'm in his office and he's telling me everything's healing fine and I can start putting a little pressure, but not very much, but just to take care of it. But it's only healing. It's amazing. It's amazing what has happened. My, my grandfather, my, my dad's father in his fifties fell from a ladder, broke his hip as well. And it started a calamity of medical issues that he literally never rec- recovered from. He lived in, you know, to a ripe old age, but frankly, he had so many medical issues it was never right again. We're lucky, though. We're lucky that technology and medicine has come so far. Hey, so where we were in the conversation, I just want to make sure we don't miss this, that it is a shame that we're, we live in a divided world. And because of that, as, as Dr. Conger said, it's okay that we tried a bunch of new things in the beginning of COVID, but then we had to be open to listening to what worked. And, you know, I think about, you know, we, we're still talking about the impact of Katrina 15 years later. And you think about, I say this all the time on the show, you think of, think of COVID being sort of a Katrina that hit the world and it lasted for a year. Right. We're going to be talking about this, this event 20 years from now. We're literally going to be talking about 20 years from now. And I wonder what we're going to say about the impact on kids uh, that were kept out of school during this whole year versus kids that were not kept out of school for the year. I already have a sense of what that might look like, how their lives might be, in some cases, irreversibly impacted by this. And I'm just amazed that educators from, I bet you've heard from educators from around the United States wanting to know more about how did you do this and what what can we learn from this? Give me your thoughts on that. Well, you know, we took this as an opportunity and we have trained over 3,000, I think 3,800 teachers in Mississippi through distance learning this year. I've met with the Public Service Commission. I think it has an opportunity to be revolutionary for our state. I think the stimulus money, while I understand there's a price to pay down the road from a tax standpoint at some point for everyone, that you take advantage of these stimulus dollars and you upgrade everything that you can possibly upgrade, modernize, move into the 21st century. You know, bandwidth is not a new conversation for us. I've been writing editorials about that since 2013. And now we have this great opportunity in front of us. And the big thing for us is training people on how to use the bandwidth. But I think the social isolation aspect and the social emotional part of the learning that occurs with children has the greatest detrimental effect in that people are the least trained on it. So we've really tried to put a huge focus on that aspect. And I think that's going to be real important over the course of the next year in making sure that we're identifying the needs of those students who've been deprived of that social 
uh, interaction with other kids and how that's impacted their lives. Well, and it's, and it's, you know, it's so complicated. It's so complicated. Not every kid comes from a two parent household. Not every kid has the ability to have, you know, three square meals at home. You know, school's critical to them in that regard. And I mean, it's complicated. And, you know, the, the, um, the schools, I think what we'll see is that the schools that found a mix between in-person, preferably in-person, but for people who had vulnerabilities or had family members who were vulnerable, having that sort of that remote learning opportunity, uh, the schools that did that versus the schools that stayed out of school for the entire time, it's gonna, there's going to be incredible papers written about it. We're going to be researching it for so many years to come. It's going to be unbelievable. But one thing is for sure that the amount of money that the Mississippi is going to be spending with that recovery money on, on finding innovative ways to fully adopt broadband across this state and learning from what we've, you know, really institutionalizing what we learned about that will forever change the way the quality of education in, in Mississippi in ways that will really improve the economic base of Mississippi for many years to come. And we're talking, we're talking about over a billion dollars, man. We're talking about significant spending here. Well, you're not, but you're also, remember, you're not limiting this just to education. You're also expanding this to telemedicine. You're expanding it to commerce, which, you know, we had a very a robust uh, economy through in, uh, commerce online. But now whenever you have a state that doesn't have maybe the expanded Medicaid or the expanded medical facilities that you need, you now have this ability to use telemedicine and to set up these OASIS uh, clinics throughout the state where you can actually get access to healthcare for people in the poorest parts of Mississippi through the telemedicine. And that's why I think this Connect Mississippi Commission that I'm a part of with Dane Maxwell, Lynn Presley, and, and that group, is so, Bailey, is so important and what the work that they're doing right now, because it really is, it's, it's revolutionary what's going on right now in Mississippi from that standpoint. I will, I have a lot of friends. I have a place up in the Delta. The Delta is you know, near and dear to me for a lot of reasons. Um, but the one thing that is true that I've heard many people say throughout my career is that until we can imp improve the situation in the Delta, Mississippi will never fully arrive. And maybe, maybe this piece of this, uh, you know, this whole, whole notion of, of broadband and improving education and all that, maybe that's, that's a step in that direction. I, I'm, I'm sure you see that as well, that, that, that there are def different levels of success across this state. And we've got work to do to make the state as a whole improve. And this is a this is an important key to that success, isn't it? Oh, there's no question about it. And again, going back to your stimulus dollars, you know, we're we're not strangers to the fact that Mississippi has some infrastructure needs, you know, and, and while I understand that you can't take certain dollars and use them for certain projects, there's a way to move money around so that you can get some of this infrastructure work done right now as well without perhaps raising gas taxes and things like that. I, I just think, I just see so many opportunities for us to grasp right now, but but also to treat this uh, devastating event as an opportunity. Uh, yeah. And that goes back to your quote Dave, earlier. I mean, you've got to find the silver lining and you've got to, I mean, what are you going to do, sit around and feel sorry for yourself? I just don't think we're made that way. We're, we're not, we're not. Hey, so look, when you look, Look at a lot of the um, when you guys developed your 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 plan for how you were going to tackle COVID, and you and you um, and you and you said, okay, now when when we get a COVID situation, here's how we're going to react to it. 
and you developed a lot of assumptions. You know, you said, okay, this is what the best science we've got about. Here's how, how kids get it. They're less accessible. They're less able to spread it, especially the youngest of them all. When you look at all your assumptions and then you see how it all played out, you got pretty close, didn't you? Yep. And everything is an if-then equation whenever you look at it. And that's why we build templates for every situation that identifies what does our clerical person do? What does our teacher do? What does our student do? What does our administrator do? In any event that we have, same way in the way that we report it, there's no sense in not being honest about what your numbers are because they are what they are. And I've had this conflict before with Mississippi Department of Education and the ACT and people telling me, even the parents campaign at one point said, Wayne, we don't want to report our ACT scores because it'll make us look bad. And I said, no, it'll make you look exactly how you are. And you're never going to get better if you don't confront boldly confront where you are to move yourself forward. And I, and I think it's the same process with everything we've done, Ricky. Yeah, I, I, tef- I definitely agree. And you know, the other thing is that there was never a, a sort of a rigid plan. I mean, you were, you were in a position where, okay, this is based on what we know today. We're going to, we're going to implement our plan and, but we have to be constantly open to all these different inputs that are going to come along the way to make adjustments in the plan. So you, it, it was not, I mean, it was as fluid a situation as you probably have ever faced as an educator. Is that fair? Yeah, and, and let me just tell you how, how much we, how adjustable it was. I had one of my administrators call me and tell me they were concerned about opening school uh, on the Thursday and Friday prior to the weekend when we opened school in August this year, said that they didn't know that their teachers were ready with the technology platform. So I had a special call board meeting, told my board, look, let's give these guys two more days. I want them to be comfortable when they're going into their teaching setting. Let's give them two more days of training. We'll start school on Monday rather than on Thursday. Board unanimously agreed to it. We flexed our schedule. We had some, um, uh, the state of Mississippi didn't require us to make up that time. So, you know, it worked out perfectly because there was flexibility and autonomy. And that's very important in these types of situations. So if you, uh, now that you have the benefit of looking back, you, you really did do a, a fine job. And I say that about most coast le- most uh, education leaders. They did a really good job of responding to the situation. And, uh, you know, as usual, we could go another two segments, but we're out of time today. And uh, let me just wish you well in, in literal sense uh, now. <laughs> I hope you, hope you recover from your hip injury quickly. And, uh, and also congratulate you on your terrific leadership. I, I tell you, we're, we're lucky to have you in Coastal Mississippi. So thank you, buddy. Well, hey, I appreciate you providing this opportunity for people to hear what's going on in our state. And you guys are doing a fabulous job. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. This has been Wayne Rodolfich, uh, Superintendent of Schools for Pascual Gaucher School District. We'll see you after this. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.